0: Hey folks, welcome to Black and White, where Anthony and I discuss all topics from politics, travel, money, and the latest items clogging your social news feed. So buckle up, it's going to be a bumpy ride. TJ, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing great. You know, I think I just came off the debate and so I'm curious to dive in deep because it was a boxing match to see
1: definitely a boxing match and I would only say holy shit my news feed is on fire I <laughs> woke up this morning I looked at my phone, my twitter feed's blowing up, my news feed is blowing up I didn't even know what to,
0: how to absorb all of this information, there's just so much juiciness from last night's debate there is, there is and I, I can imagine my news feed blew up with all the politically savvy people and they were like oh my gosh, Klobuchar, oh my gosh PD, because I have a lot of gay people in my news feed so like oh my god, PD is like so great and then I have like my staunch friends for uh, Elizabeth Warren. They're like, oh my God, but all about the policy. And you can tell that the people are getting excited for the dwindling of the field. They are. They are. And I'm actually glad to see much fewer
1: candidates on that stage. I think it's funny that your feed is filled with Warren supporters and gay PD supporters. And on my end, I'm filled with a bunch of communist supporters and Trumpkins. <laughs> I think so that's my, my
0: choice. I think you've selected those people into your group.
1: <laughs> I think so too. And, and and many of it is family. And so this is what makes me the politically interested person that I am. And maybe that's why I have the views that I have, right? That I grew up in a more conservative household, I would say. And now I live in a very liberal state, just as you do. Yep. And I think that gives us a little bit of perspective. And Correct. so hopefully we can give our audience today a little bit of perspective about what we saw last night. Right. So. I'd like to start with one of the most interesting things about last night's debate is that according to the Wall Street Journal, this was the most watched Democratic debate ever, drawing 19.7 million viewers and beating the Golden Globes and the Grammys. I was thinking, I was actually, first of all, very impressed because this to me says folks are starting to be engaged in this process, number one. Number two, that they're not just listening to Donald Trump, that they tuned in to hear Democrats. I think this is going to affect the polls now that mm. everyone's gotten to see their candidates.
0: Yeah, I think that's very true. I mean, the last time we had type this political climate, the impeachment trial was going on, people were a little distracted. Uh, that's when we had the New Hampshire and the Iowa caucus. And now people are started to temper down. They're trying to buckle up and get more engaged. I ultimately don't think this is something that is going to be a leading indicator for us, which is like, hey, you know, they have higher viewership, people are being politically engaged. I do think it is an uptick. But looking at the Golden Globe, I mean, they've been losing viewership over a while, and we all know why. So, I mean, I think it's just something to be aware of, but I am happy to see that more people are getting more and more engaged, even though they missed out on, like, five or six other candidates.
1: Absolutely, and I think what's important here is that Trump isn't the only person owning the message, because I think— Fox and the Trump administration and the entire Republican Party has done such a good job of owning their messaging. They're consistent. They are precise. And they just hammer and hammer, hammer away. And it's hard to escape that. And now finally, the Democrats, people are talking about what they're saying. But- are we happy about what they're talking about? We've got some crazy mudslinging last night. Yes. You've got Mike Bloomberg, who totally shit the bed. You've got Warren, who showed up with a bucket of everyone else's shit and just started throwing it around left and right. Joe Bi- Sleepy Joe Biden, he was on stage. Mm-hmm. Of course, Mayor Pete's there. Amy Klobuchar's there. What's your initial takeaway?
0: I mean, I thought the, the masterful performance on the stage was Elizabeth Warren. And I think her true skills for being a debate master showed. She actually did her homework, she knew exactly what she was going to say, and she knew when to be aggressive when it counted. And you saw that as she was talking with Michael Bloomberg and talking about his wealth, when you talked about Bernie Sanders when it came to healthcare, and when it came to talking about the specific of plans, when it came to Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg, Buttigieg. I always mess up that name. But if he's our president, I promise I'll get it right, Pete. Love you, Pete. But like I was saying, I think that uh, it's a masterful performance by Elizabeth Warren. But all the candidates came out except for Michael Bloomberg, who was just a deer in the headlights. See, it's so interesting because the
1: feedback that you're giving me about Warren is what I felt I heard from everyone else. Everyone is praising her, that she was on the offense, she was attacking, that she came prepared, did her homework— and I saw something different. And it's interesting. I saw a desperate candidate willing to sling mud. She's seen almost a very dismal performance in the two caucuses that we've had. Her polling numbers have dropped and most of most of the upcoming states. And I just saw someone going, oh my God, my campaign's falling apart. I need to do more fundraising and I'm just going to go out there and start throwing, punching. Hmm. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing, but I'm not sure that that makes her the winner of the night, just the more aggressive person. But I really just saw mudslinging. Didn't it seem desperate to you? It seemed desperate to me. That was my impression.
0: I didn't really get the notion of desperate. I think she took a page out of Trump's book where he completely annihilated the Republicans. And it was built on this idea that I can be aggressive. I'm going to go at you. It's highly entertaining. And if your friends are caught flat-footed, you're going to make them look like a fool. And that's exactly what she was doing. Granted, some of them did have really great comebacks, but the way that she delivered and landed her messages upon the attack was the real expertise that I'm describing here.
1: Yes, and her first one was right straight at Mike Bloomberg, right? They brought fresh meat onto the stage, and all of them just pounced, right? She came out swinging, about his comment about fat, broad, and horse-faced lesbians. And no, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about Mike Bloomberg. She was ready, and she wanted to make this a let's destroy the new guy on stage. And I think, yes, clearly, based on all the media, she gets that attention. It's interesting to me, though. I felt Pete, Mayor Pete, was the most prepared person on the stage. Now, yes, I get it. Elizabeth Warren accused him of using his consultants to prepare him for the debates and having his PowerPoint slides. And using Microsoft Word. <laughs> Use this Microsoft word. But to me, his message was clear. I liked his message, and uh, and I'm going to read it for our listeners. He said, in response to Bernie Sanders and Michael Bloomberg, the following, we've got to wake up as a party. We could wake up two weeks from today, the day after Super Tuesday, and the only two candidates left standing will be Bernie Sanders and Mike Bloomberg, the two most polarizing figures on this stage. Most Americans don't see where they fit. And they've got to choose between a socialist who thinks that capitalism is the root of all evil and a billionaire who thinks money ought to be the root of all power. If that isn't the best summarization of these two candidates, I don't know what is. I'm not saying good, bad, or otherwise about these two gentlemen, but that was spot on. How did you react to that?
0: Yeah, I think Petey is like I said on on. I think Pe has put himself in the position of saying that I am the safe choice and I'm the centrist candidate. And I think that his, to his comment about should it be between a crazy socialist or should it be about a billionaire running the election, I think that was spot on. I think that's a mood that most people are feeling, especially if they're not in the Bernie bros camp. I think he definitely did carry himself on the stage, but a lot of the times I felt that he kind of waited. Right, mm-hmm. I didn't sense the feel of like aggression in terms of like I need to step up. I need to be pronounced. Maybe it's because he is leading in Iowa, or he was leading in New Hampshire, or at least tied with Bernie Sanders. And so maybe he doesn't feel that need to actually step out and do anything different because he's slowly watching his lead increase. I do think he has a very measured tone, and it's almost similar to Barack Obama that
1: he's trying to be this poised character. And I'm just not sure that it's effective. I'm not sure that being a centrist is effective, and I'm not sure that his poise is being effective. And the reason I say that is look at Donald Trump. People, he's a very polarizing candidate, but guess what, he won. And as far as I can see, he's on track to winning again. And so this path to let's pick a centrist candidate that can beat Donald Trump, I actually don't know if that's what Americans want. Mm. You look at all of the candidates on the stage, And I'm not sure that any of them are not polarizing in some way, shape, or form. I think they're all a good option to go against Donald Trump. So I disagree that you can't put a polarizing candidate up there. That's why I like Bernie Sanders. Mm -hmm. That's why I like gay Mayor Pete. That's why I like Michael Bloomberg. I'm okay with their polarization.
0: Yeah, I think that's totally fine. I think we're in in today's day and age, polarizing is going to get people to the vote. So another person I want to talk about is Joe Biden, because I felt that he has kind of, got this strategy where he is not going to respond or try not to attack anybody, he's going to remain silent. And I think that's a good thing for Sleepy Joe because when he's on stage and talking, sometimes I'm not sure if he knows exactly what points he wants to land or... Mm -hmm. Or does he know how to actually attack a candidate? And so maybe just sitting back in the cut is his best option at this point.
1: (laughs) Joe Biden is a super savvy, articulate and motivating candidate, said no one ever. (laughs) 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 And I agree with you wholeheartedly. The, The more he talks, the lower his poll numbers go down. And I'm afraid now that that exact same thing is going to happen to Mike Bloomberg, that the more times he shows up for the debate, the more people are not going to like him. I'll tell you what though I did like. When I woke up this morning, he already had an entire invading army of social media content from I'm the only one who's ever started a business and it's a brilliant ad. And he just took clips of all of the other candidates in silence and crickets and playing in the background.
0: (laughs) I mean, I took pause when he said that because at the end of the day, you know, the government is in a relationship with the business, right? And together we foster prosperity for all. And so that comment was spot on. And so I think what we're really going to find out is how effective and how powerful is social media because he is doubling down like nobody's business. Side note, the Trade Desk, it is a company that I've, I've recently purchased. And for those of you that don't understand, that is an advertising platform. And that stock has been shooting up. So if he's <laughs> buying ads through the Trade Desk, it is working and it is definitely finding those people. And so, like I said, he is doubling down on this whole entire thing. And we're going to find out who's going to win. Can Absolutely. building a platform on Facebook, TV, internet, everything, and not actually being articulate on the stage, gets you the presidency? It worked for the Republicans.
1: I was going to say it did, using social media, right? And how much does the candidate even matter at this point? You can create an aura of a candidate or almost an avatar of a candidate that might not actually be the real person. Now, let's talk about who's someone who strikes me as a very um, not real person, Amy Klobuchar. Oh, (laughs) yes. She had some zingers. Certainly, she was attacking Pete, standing right next to him, looking him square in the eye. But I just have never gravitated to her. I just find her very... Programmatic at times, very scripted, just very fake. She's got that fake smile and this just. Fake look about her. I, I will vote for Donald Trump over Amy Klobuchar, hands down. Like I, I put her as number ten on the candidate
0: list. I'm just unsure what what the difference would be if I voted for her. That's the problem, right? She hasn't really come out with well. To Elizabeth Warren would say she only had two paragraphs for a plan, and so (laughs) I don't know exactly what we're gonna get from Amy Klobuchar. But I do tell you what, she does have the persona of a Today Show host, where she has the great smile, the great personality, and those quick one. Liners that is going to be remembered because guess what? Who built stickies? Her city did.
1: Her <laughs> <laughs> post-it notes. Oh yes. But I don't know if I want the host of Good Morning America to be my president. I want my president to be my president. But, so I just, I, it's, I struggle with her.
0: But we already have the our president being the apprentice. So what's wrong with someone being from the Today Show? <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I'll have to go back and look who has
1: the better ratings. The apprentice or Good Morning America. Uh, yes. So. And- How do you think this plays out in the states that matter, right? We've got Super Tuesday coming up. That's in in the first Tuesday of March. Mm. We're two weeks away, essentially. California, Florida, Texas, New York, Illinois, Pennsylvania. Are you, you don't have to tell us who, but are you getting closer to making a decision about who you want to vote for?
0: Not yet. And I think the reason why it's very hard for me to make a decision is that, one, the field is still pretty broad. Mm-hmm. Two, I haven't had enough time to dive deep, deep on each and every person, and I want to make sure I give them each an adequate amount of time to make their case. And I think I'm the type of person that's going to you know gravitate towards someone that's going to you know benefit you know some of my common goals and my theories on how the government should work and have philosophies mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like how I think it's going to shape out in the upcoming Super Tuesday. That's to be seen. I think mm-hmm. we've seen so much change in this country geographically, policies in terms of like how people view the world. And it's going to be very interesting to see how that kind of creates itself. How does that, you know, drive our nominee? What are your thoughts?
1: I have not made up my mind. You know, I had posted that my top three right now were Mayor Pete, followed by Bernie Sanders, followed by Michael Bloomberg. I mm. was honestly inc- so disappointed with his performance last night. It, he's just not a very crafted debater. He really hasn't, although he won to be mayor of New York City, he won in essentially statistical landslide elections, right? He dumped a lot of money into those as well. And so he's really never had to combat a political opponent before. And so he's not used to this. And he responded in social media saying, you know, all you saw last night was a bunch of politicians talking. And I didn't do a lot of talking because I'm not a politician. And I wasn't sure how to take that. It's like, yes, I get it. Yap, 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 yap with false promises. But part of running for office is being the performer. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump is out there performing every day, scripted and unscripted, and he's ready. And I just think if you put Donald Trump next to Michael Bloomberg, Trump is going to run him over. And people are going to go, wow. Wow. Yeah. He I, got
0: crushed. I think the difference with, with Michael Bloomberg is that he is an established businessman. And so he's used to being the big banana in the room. And everybody mm. likes to look at the big banana. And if the big banana says, go make me a smoothie, everyone gets up and goes and makes them a smoothie. And they're not going to go That's ahead. not how
1: this works. That's, that's not, not how, how this, this works.
0: works. No, no, no. But, you know, that's something that is going to be a knock on him. Hey, you've been in power for so long and people are pretty much yes men. How can you get people to behave or do things? in terms of government actions without having any direct force outside of your big bags of money. That's
1: correct. Has he ever built a coalition in which he had to ask for people's permission rather than dictate? And you're right, that he could be a very authoritarian leader. Mm -hmm. Maybe, Maybe as president, that could work, but I just don't think that's how you're going to get this nomination. You know, you brought up a good point in like, as we choose these candidates, I'm constantly asking myself and my friends like why they like this person or that person. And it tends to be... Personality driven. What I don't think people are looking at is like, whose policies do you want to vote for? Take the actor or actress out of the equation and say, what policies do I want to vote for? And I even have this problem, right? I look at Bernie Sanders, and especially last night, I see a very authentic, consistent champion of the 99%, right? I am inspired and motivated by him. At the same time, I don't want his healthcare plan. <laughs> I don't want everyone to have free everything. I don't know how he's going to handle national defense and national security matters, right? And so I'm even torn then. Do I pick somebody whose policy makes sense, i.e. Mike Bloomberg, i.e. Pete Buttigieg, or do I pick the inspiring leader? I don't know if I'm the only one struggling with this, but I think a lot
0: of people are. See, I think I'm on the opposite side. I I like a lot of the plans by Bernie Sanders. I like a lot of plans by uh, Elizabeth Warren. I think that you know, healthcare for all is a right, and I think there's ways to get there. I'm not saying that his is the only way, and I think that Petey made some great points by isolating people or removing people from their previous plan. Is probably mm-hmm. not the way to get it done. No, but
1: Americans don't like that. At the end of the day, I find Americans very conservative.
0: But right, continue. but I do believe that Americans like the idea of a moonshot goal. Right, what mm-hmm. can we aspire to do? And can the candidate or the person that's going to be the president, can he convince or persuade enough of the people in Congress to build a plan for him? I'm not sure Bernie Sanders is that guy. You know, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the way that he likes to interact is like, look, it's my way. Or the highway—at least that's how it comes across. And Very Elizabeth, binary. exactly. And Elizabeth Warren did nail home that point, which is you definitely like to keep your plans to yourself. If there's any criticism of those plans, it's the millionaires and billionaires. Are not paying a fish the in Texas,
1: and the billionaires, and the fracas, and the miners, and the healthcare, and the pharmaceutical companies are Correct. taking all your money. They've got all the profits, and you broke as fuck. Correct.
0: <laughs> I mean, but to that point, I mean, look, they've made all this money, and yet we're still, we still have healthcare. We have a poor infrastructure system. I think the messaging is right. I think the way that the Democrats either portray the story, because holistically they they all have the same goal, which is to unseat Donald Trump. So the way that they all create their attack plans to really position themselves as a differentiator is going to be really crucial. You did make a really good point, though, which is he wants to get rid of fracking. And that's mm-hmm. like one of my big things where it's like, I really want to beat Trump, but I know that's a big sticking issue for Pennsylvania. They even called it out on the stage and said, hey, a big voter block said that they were not going to vote for you if you were the nominee. And I think that's just telling because they didn't have a great story. And I don't think Elizabeth Warren had a great story about what to do about these people and jobs. What to do about these people currently in industry.
1: This is the problem with so many democratic policies is they always want to approach it as, I'm going to tell you what you can't do. I'm going to take something away from you, or I'm going to force something down your throat. And they don't know how to, in a savvy way, remember that we do live in a free market society. And we live in a democracy that if you want to get rid of fracking, don't say, okay, you can't frack. Give me an alternative. That applies both to fracking and natural resources, as well as jobs. Don't just say, okay, fracking is now banned. Say, we are going to fund and support job creation and businesses who are providing solar power or any other type of renewable energy, whether that be wind farms, et cetera, tidal waves, hydroelectric, take your pick. Whatever but it they is. they never present it, right? Whatever it is, they never present it as a way of, hey, if we want to launch all, you know, Tesla's roof-powered solar cells, across this country, how many jobs that we create, if we want to harvest energy into batteries from all these renewable resources, and then have an entire manufacturing industry around that and distributing batteries to every home in America, that that creates jobs and reduces demand for all of these other, you know, natural resources. Correct. I mean, look what natural gas has done to the coal industry. Coal industry just didn't disappear. It was fracking that got rid of coal. And so it's like, let's find the next technology that gets rid of fracking rather than let's legislate it out of the way. I think that's a terrible policy. Americans hate that on both sides of the political spectrum. They hate being told what you can and can't do. Correct. And that's and this is my problem with the platform. And 100% Bernie Sanders is probably the biggest offender of this.
0: Correct. And I think the other point to this is, you know, you did mention the jobs plan. But what's missing from that is the fact that these are new Types of jobs. These are specific types of skill sets that it won't be easy for these people to transfer into. So if I'm sitting in this industry and you're telling me that you're going to create this shiny new job for me, but it's going to take a two year degree or a four year degree or some type of retraining. Okay, so who's going to pay for my home that I have? Who's going to pay for my car? Who's going to pay for my kids? Right? I'm either over the age of fifty and getting close to retirement. I'm depending on this job to make some money, and so that's right. They need to have like an off ramp for some of these people because I would be scared shitless to vote for you. I love Absolutely. the Green New Deal. I want to move ahead. But in order for me to get on your team, you tell me I have to live homeless. <laughs> correct, correct. And it makes no sense. And
1: so this is a flaw that absolutely needs to be addressed. And I don't think I can throw my support against a Bernie Sanders when it comes to filling my little bubble on my box on my ballot for California. I can't do it until we get a lot of clarity over that in the next two weeks. Correct, The time is ticking, right? We have two weeks before I fill out that piece of paper. I mean, he has some work to do. I love the guy, but I just, until he has a plan to help The people that matter, the people that he's supposed to say he's helping, were left stuck here. Something interesting else that was said last night was in the spirit of income equality, but they said, should billionaires exist? Hmm. Now, we both worked very hard. We certainly wouldn't say no to being a billionaire. But what was your response, and how do you think Americans take that view of there shouldn't be any billionaires?
0: I mean, have you looked at any HBO series lately? Succession, uh, all these like crazy like ideologies where they put billionaires on a pedestal. Yeah. And so my initial response to that was, I think Americans like the idea; they have some love or fascination with the billionaire status that it, they represent, hard work, and they represent mm-hmm. you know the American dream. They represent the pinnacle of what can be accomplished in this country. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. And so as they asked that question, how, it, how Elizabeth Warren and how Michael Bloomberg responded, I personally felt that Michael Bloomberg had a great response, which was, or in essence, it was, I create jobs in this country.
1: Yes. When specifically asked, you know, do you deserve it? He said, absolutely. I worked hard for that. Correct. Now he's worth $63 billion. Did he really work <laughs> that much harder to have $63 billion? I mean, you can only produce so much in a day. Correct. What was he doing that he was producing so much more?
0: Right. And I think that's another point. But you get into very complex things such as like the tax mm-hmm. code and like how you do assets and all these other right. things. And for majority of Americans who don't even have a 401k and have less than $200 in savings, that goes. Way over their head, over their head, and so for most people, they think that he works extremely hard and that he's going to a job, and they're literally writing him a check for a billion Mm dollars, and that's his paycheck. I think the
1: response was so spot on yesterday against Bloomberg, and that was, you didn't work hard for that billion dollars. All of your employees worked hard for that billion dollars, but the point is, is they worked hard for their keep. And then his. And he only worked hard for his. Correct. And I think this, I mean, this is a broader, it's a non political issue. But if you want to create wealth in this country, then somebody else has to create it for you. And by that means, you either have to own their labor, you have to own an investment in the product. There is no way that you can produce in an eight, 10, 15, or 20 hour day, however many hours you want to work, enough money based on just your labor. Correct. You have to get somebody else. To produce that kind of wealth. But now that makes sense, right? People are frustrated with this concept. They're fascinated by it on one hand, and at the same time, they're frustrated. That's why Bernie's leading. Correct. So there's a balance here. And, and I do think Americans are going to have to choose between what they love about capitalism and the fundamentals of basic human rights around healthcare, stability, Jobs, security, income inequality, and almost like some sort of, I don't want to call it universal basic income, but almost universal basic life. Correct. That's what we need to fight for in this election.
0: Yeah. Well, Tony, I think that was enough for our political deep dive. Is there any, have, can, anything you want to leave our listeners with as we wrap up? Anything that they should be watching for? I think that my biggest takeaway last night, I'll be honest, I think
1: for me, Mayor Pete came out on top. I think what resonated with me was, let's not pick the guy who's trying to buy the election. Let's not pick the person who's trying to burn down capitalism. Let's pick the actual Democrat. I switched parties when I was younger during the Obama administration from Republican to Democrat, and I think I'm sticking with that. I think I'm leaning towards voting for a Democrat, and Uh that's where I feel. Yeah, definitely sounds good. For the rest of our voters, it's up to them to decide. We have a lot to discuss over the next two weeks. We have Super Tuesday coming up. We have the Nevada primary this Saturday, and we have so much more going on in our news feeds around coronavirus, around Roger Stone, around Donald Trump, and hopefully we're going to bring all of that to you over the next few weeks in our podcasts. We always thank you for listening to today's episode of Black and White. We always want to hear from you. Shoot us a message at blackandwhitepodcasters at gmail.com,
0: Instagram at blackandwhitepodcasters, or Twitter at blackwhiterebo. Want more Black and White? Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Like always, keep it easy. Have a great day.